Hello and welcome to Fresh Dialogues. I'm Alison Van Diggelen. If someone had told you on January 19th that a skinny young woman from L.A. would upstage the inauguration of our new president, Joe Biden, dramatic performances by J.Lo and Lady Gaga, and even the joyful swearing-in of our first female vice president, Kamala Harris, you might have been very dubious. But the effervescent Amanda Gorman outshone all the stars with her wise words and soulful delivery. She tapped into the zeitgeist of America, addressed the terrifying hour of January 6th, and challenged us to rebuild, reconcile, and recover. Gorman reminds us that there's always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. This month, when the world seems dark and our lives continue to be dislocated by the pandemic, I often think of Amanda Gorman and listen to her poem, again and again. In watching her interviews with everyone from Trevor Noah to Anderson Cooper, I'm inspired by her poise, her wisdom and her optimism. Did you know that from age seven, she's been preparing to become the President of the United States? Now that gives me hope. This week, as Trump's impeachment trial began in the U.S. Senate, we're forced to relive the horror of January 6th. I'm exploring these questions. How did our country become so polarized and our politics so violent? And is there any hope for closing the divide? And what's the role of empathy in the process? And is there a role for you and me? For my latest BBC report, I sought out the wisdom of three experts. And there is good news. I aim to do two things. First, help us understand how we got here by exploring insights from psychology, anthropology and sociology. And second, offer some tangible action we can all do to douse the fire and live more peacefully with people with whom we don't agree. Although Amanda Gorman was featured in my original draft, she didn't make the final cut for the BBC due to time constraints. Yet the words of her inauguration poem echoed the wisdom I gleaned from the experts. We must put our differences aside and focus on what unites us, our common aspirations. We must try to build bridges and, as hard as it is sometimes, assume good intent. So I'd like to start this week's Fresh Dialogues podcast by revisiting some of Gorman's rousing performance at the inauguration before I share my BBC report. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. And here's the report which aired on the BBC on Wednesday, February 10th. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. That was Democratic Party candidate Hillary Clinton during her presidential run in 2016 and before her, Donald Trump, during his bid as the Republican candidate when he made his infamous comments about undocumented Mexican immigrants. Dan Fessler is a professor of psychology and anthropology at the University of California in Los Angeles. He's convinced that provocative language that leads to dehumanization is a key driver of the polarization problem. 
essentially any time that you hear any politician or candidate for office talking about them and they describing a competing party in terms that homogenize it, terms that treat it as uniform, uh, those people over there, when single labels are applied, alarm bells should go off and you should start to ask yourself whether the humanity of people who hold different ideas is being eroded. This has happened not just in the United States, but around the world, right? As soon as it becomes us versus them, we slide down the road of seeing others in our own society as less than human. As an anthropologist, Dan Fessler frames the issue with a wide lens. I try and understand contemporary human health and behavior in the context of our species' long evolutionary history. And our species is characterized by both remarkable cooperation and a very long history of intergroup conflict. And the propensity to dehumanize members of an opposing group, that propensity would have been strongly selected for. So it's easy for us to flip into a mindset that leads to dehumanization. That is an inherent part of our human psychology. Larry Diamond, a professor of political science and sociology at Stanford University, agrees about the danger of dehumanization. I think as much as anything, the polarization we are experiencing now in the United States and in some other advanced industrial democracies represents an empathy gap that we aren't really even trying to see the world through the eyes of people very different from ourselves and to understand their pain and anxiety. So what might it take to heal the deep divisions in the United States? This is our historic moment of crisis and challenge. And unity is the path forward. And we must meet this moment as the United States of America. This is part of Joe Biden's inauguration speech on the 20th of January. Let's begin to listen to one another again. Hear one another. See one another. Show respect to one another. Politics doesn't have to be a raging fire, destroying everything in its path. Larry Diamond believes Biden's call for more listening and mutual respect is achievable. He's encouraged by the results of an experiment called America in One Room. In 2019, his team from Stanford gathered a diverse group of 500 U.S. citizens for three days at a resort in Texas. They were given nonpartisan factual information and neutral moderators led discussions about political issues. Living together, having meals together and talking together helped them see one another in a whole new light. We had uh, African Americans who were saying, I've never really gotten to know a white person socially before. And the same thing with maybe a white suburban housewife who would say, I've never met an undocumented immigrant before. Once you meet people and realize that they're human beings too, and that you share some common human aspirations and emotions with them, the instinct to demonize them is immediately de-escalated. We did achieve dramatic reductions in emotional polarism, just the level of animus toward people of the other party. The researchers also recorded significant changes of opinion. The most polarizing policy proposals from both the left and the right generally lost support. 
and the more centrist proposals gained popularity. Could this experiment be replicated and made part of a national discourse? Diamond hopes that the experiment can be expanded across America using online video conferencing to help build empathy between people who view each other as enemies. We now have the ability uh, technologically as a result of some recent research and development to scale this up with automated moderators, uh, computerized moderators that govern and ensure equal participation in the conversation and by using the same technology of online conversation that you and I are using here right now. And evolutionary psychologist Dan Fessler points out if we want to close the divide and build bridges, it's important to start with the right assumptions. I think that the first step is to recognize that the other person or the other group is not inherently bad. Someone can be a good person and see the world differently than you do. And if you begin with the premise that this is a reasonable person who is moral and is motivated by things that they believe in, then the question becomes, how can I understand what they believe in And where can I find things that we agree on, even if they're going to be some things that we disagree on? And this is not to be naive and to suppose that there aren't truly people out there in the world who simply do wish to harm and exploit others. There are such people. But that should be your last conclusion, not your starting premise when you interact with someone with whom you disagree. Rachel Kleinfeld is a senior fellow at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. She offers this advice for healing rifts with relatives, friends, and neighbors. For example, what if you're a liberal and live next door to a Trump supporter? Focus on the things you have in common and try to rebuild neighborly ties. No one wants bad relationships with their neighbors for whatever reason. They might have been a racist. They might have been someone who simply liked the tax breaks. They might be someone who really believes that abortion is wrong and they liked getting the judges that would support uh, perhaps that view. You don't know exactly why they voted for Trump, but you do know that when it snows, they have to clear their driveway just like you do. Then I think you can commiserate and build some bombs over those things. And finally, another reason I'm feeling hopeful today is an interview I did this week with Harvard professor Marshall Gans. He shares some valuable wisdom about how to turn anger and outrage into constructive action. It's something he knows a lot about. If you're not familiar with his work, check out his Wikipedia page. As well as working with Cesar Chavez to help secure decent working conditions for farm workers in the 60s, he's credited with creating the successful grassroots organizing model and training for Barack Obama's presidential campaign in 2008. Thank you for joining us on Fresh Dialogues. There are dozens more podcasts waiting for you at freshdialogues.com or find Fresh Dialogues on your favorite podcast feed.